What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Pace the Nation at the running event brought to you by Formula 4 Media. I'm your host, Chris Farley. Alongside me, Joanne E. Russo and William E. Docks. What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's going well. Um, excited. Is, is Joanna actually here? Yeah, she didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm here too. Oh, okay. Well, excited uh, today, guys, that uh, on our second episode, we were able to sit down with the former CEO of Whole Foods, Walter Robb. Very cool interview that we did with Walter Robb, and he's going to be the keynote speaker uh, November 28th at the running event. So we just touched on a number of topics that we will talk about uh with him at the running event on November 28th. Uh, so we did the interview. We only had 15 minutes, so we didn't get to dive into a whole lot. But I, for one, I love Whole Foods. I'm a bit, you know, we broadcast at home in Clarendon. Uh, I go to the Clarendon Whole Foods very regularly. One of my favorite meals, one of my favorite dinner meals is the pizza that they have the wood fire pizza that they have. Farley pizza is not a meal. That's a snack. Well, <laughs> uh, I also enjoy the guacamole. Uh, Joanna, I know you go to a different Whole Foods. That has better guacamole, yeah. I, 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 I would argue that the Clarendon guacamole is as good as there is, but I don't know which, which Whole Foods you go to. <clears throat> P Street. P Street, okay. In the district. It's it's a shame that uh, we we didn't have more than fifteen minutes because yeah. I think that we could have spent the whole fifteen minutes talking to him about guacamole. I also feel like he would have said P Street too. Well, he would have said Austin. I mean, and I'm sure he's he's gone around and you know maybe we'll get to talk to him about this when we're there in Austin. Uh, he's gone around to all the Whole Foods across the country and taste test of the guacamole. Yeah, Do sure. you think that's what his job was as CEO <laughs> of Whole Foods was to? Uh, have it like some sort of American Idol type competition of the guacamole? No, probably. That would be a good show. No, would you watch that? I, yes. I would. Well, I, uh, I'd be a judge. I really am a big Whole Foods fan. Uh, Rob was uh, CEO for seven years and with Whole Foods for 26 years. He also ran his own health food shop for 10 years. In Mill Valley, yep. which is in the Bay Area. I, I, I regret that I didn't have the opportunity to talk to him about a t-shirt I used to have. The Mill Valley Flash, it was a soccer t-shirt I got at a uh, consignment store in San Francisco. Um, I wonder if he played for that Mill Valley Flash because it was uh, a soccer team. Well, and he's a soccer player. Well, we, uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about soccer. But uh, again, we only had 15 minutes. Looking forward to having a lot more time with him in Austin. Well, that's definitely coming up next time I talk to no him. No doubt. All right. This is our interview with former CEO of Whole Foods, Walter Robb, here on Pace the Nation at the running event, brought to you by Formula 4 Media. All right, welcome back to the program. And now, guys, we are excited to be joined by the former co-CEO of Whole Foods. It's Walter Robb. Walter, how are you? How are how you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Greetings from Texas, Austin, Texas. Well, thank you for uh, joining us today on the program. Yeah, we're going to see you in Austin on Tuesday, November 28th uh, at the Austin Convention Center. Uh, you're going to join us, and you're going to join all the folks at the running event. Uh, tell us how tell us how excited you are about that event. Well, I'm really excited because I, I don't know if you know Chris, but I um, I understand that all of your members are running small independent businesses, and that's exactly how I started back in 1978. 
with my own little magic food store with borrowed money. It was a thousand square feet, and so uh, I ran that little business for ten years, and then you know went from there. So I, I feel a great bond, a bonding with all of you that are running a small business, and I realize what it means to do that. So I'm, and I also like the way that you, uh, you know, what you're doing is very complementary to our work, which is really around building healthier lifestyles and exercise. And so I, I think there's a lot to talk and share about the experiences, even though I know Whole Foods got to be a large company, but. You know, we started as a small company, so there's a lot to share about that. And, of course, the marketplace is changing so very quickly, uh, in part anchored by the deal that we just did. So there's a lot to talk about when we get together. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, so you were uh, at the uh, a small business yourself for 10 years. So were you doing everything from, you know, opening the store, closing the store, taking the cash to the bank, all those things that a lot of these store owners do today? It's so funny you mentioned that, Chris, because in, in those days, which is a little which was, of course, I know last century. Um, the last thing I did every day was to go down to my little basement office, count out the deposit, put it in the green bag, walk down the street, slip it in the bank, uh, to <laughs> put it into the bank every night. So, I mean, I'm telling you, I did everything from not seven days a week. In the food business, it's just a 24-7 deal. It's, uh, I understand, and I, I have some stories to tell about that in terms of moments for me along the way in that, in that 10 years. But, you know, I'm so grateful for I learned so much from uh, from those years, and then of course that was the foundation for growing into uh, into the larger company. But you know, there's just uh, it's the backbone of America, small business, yep. and uh, you guys are you guys are doing a good job bringing these sorts of options. It's you're going to have to work harder and compete harder because the marketplace is wicked competitive, and folks are there's no more there's no more lines that people don't that don't follow or do follow. The, the things wandering everywhere. Everybody's getting in everybody's business. But I still think, out at the end of the day, the, the qualities of quality and service, and caring for your team, these things emerge as the winning uh, characteristics of successful business. So, yeah, you talk about the winning team, and and I think what you did amazing at the 25 years you were the CEO, or you were CEO for part of those 25 years at Whole Foods, was build such a culture. And I think it's, and especially run stores, culture so critical. How did you build such a great culture at Whole Foods? Well. You're right. I was there 26 years, the last seven as co-CEO. But, you know, we well, the first answer is as a team. At Whole Foods, everybody belongs to a team, and the culture is a joint effort, and it's an effort over time. And, you know, really, what is culture? We'll talk about that when we're together. But ultimately, if you think about it, culture is the is the place where the people live in a business. It's how people feel, whether they work there or whether they shop there. And that culture comes, and it's distinct and unique to every company. It usually comes from the entrepreneur or the owner, but it's built around a set of beliefs or values or the reason the company started, and it goes from there. And so really you build it by staying, uh, by realizing that it's the most important asset you have is your team and your people and how they feel. You consciously invest in it by continuing to make decisions that let them believe that you mean what you say mm-hmm. and that your customers see the same thing. And you think about your practices, your cultural practices, in the same way that you would think about you know, how you fix a bike or how you put a product out on the floor that you think about, spend the time thinking about ways in which you can build up practices that let the team members feel like, you know, this culture is really alive and vital. So it's a lot longer conversation sure. about culture and building culture. But what I would say is many business people forget this is probably the most valuable you ask that you have and that it really belongs on your balance sheet, even though the accountants don't put it there. Because if you will really 
think about that, it ultimately becomes your greatest competitive advantage. Well, you mentioned earlier that uh, you feel like the, that small business is the backbone of, of our country and country's economy. Uh, one of the re- ways that we differentiate uh, at, with spe- as specialty retailers, especially running retailers, is through being a community retailer. I feel like you guys did that at Whole Foods as well, whether it was you know, doing wine clubs for your shoppers or, or building gathering places like pubs in a lot of your stores. Talk about how you guys were a community retailer. That's right. Well, I think some of that goes back to the culture question. We were a culture of inclusion and empowerment, which is to say at the different levels of the company, not everyone has to make every decision, but the decisions that are best made for a particular store we know, are made uh, at the community level. So we never designed the stores all the same. There's none of no computers. Every single store was designed for that situation. And we gave the store team leader responsibilities and decision rights for a number of areas that could be done in and through their relationship with the community. And we have a core value as a company around serving and supporting the communities where we are. So that core value was expressed in lots of different ways by individual store team leaders and store teams that could actually, you know, be in that community and realizing how they could help and how they could be part of the community. So it goes back to culture, it goes back to values, it goes back to practices around what happens over time. But, you know, it starts for Whole Foods with the fact that we, we said one of our very core values at the very core of the company was serving and supporting our communities and then we set up our structure to enable that to happen did that mean like you had local you know local vendors you know so in one store here we are in clarendon here in arlington virginia like the clarendon uh whole foods would they have a local vendor that's different from the austin whole foods yeah i mean our purchasing at whole foods was on three levels uh, global because we do buy from 80 some odd countries regional because for the, your store is part of the uh, mid-Atlantic region and, and also local individual store. And, and over the years, they all had responsibility for buying, but store owners, for example, could bring in local products. If, if Mrs. Jones or Mr. Smith had a salad dressing or product, they could bring it in and put it on the shelves. And, and, uh, and that process, those processes are evolving now as the company's mm-hmm. got to be larger because there's got to be a little more discipline on some of those things. But we had buying uh, abilities at all three levels. And so as a result, Whole Foods, I think, really did lead and sponsor the local food revolution by bringing so many products uh, into the stores and giving folks their start because we never had any slotting allowance and we never had those sorts of barriers for small producers. And we set up a local loan program that was run by the individual regions that they could lend money at at a sort of 5% interest rate to these companies to grow their businesses. So there were a lot of steps we took to really support that. We saw that, again, as a competitive advantage to have the sorts of products that uh, weren't yet at the all the other stores. So we're here talking to Walter Robb. He was the co-CEO of Whole Foods. You're going to be able to see him Tuesday, November 28th in Austin. Uh, and he's going to talk to all of us store owners and, and folks who work in the specialty running uh, industry. And a lot of us in this industry are, are worried about the Internet taking over retail. Uh, malls are closing across all across the country, and Amazon seems to own, you know, five percent of of all you know retail, and now even owns Whole Foods. Um, how do we, you know, how do we compete? What do you what do you see for brick and mortar in the future? Yeah, well, you're you should be worried. I mean, <laughs> all folks should be worried because because I, in all my years of business, I've never seen a rate of change in businesses I'm seeing right now, and therefore it means that you, you as leaders owners 
and leaders of organizations have got to develop the capacity for change in yourself and in your organizations because it's the way of it. And technology is driving that. The millennial generation shift is driving that. Uh, the backdrop of uh, technology is driving that. It's just simply the way it is right now. And so there is an over... The retail environment in the U.S. is built. There's 24 square feet of retail per capita in the U.S., which is sort of 5X or 6X most other major developed countries. There's going to be a consolidation of retail space. Mm -hmm. There's just too much. The question is, um, I don't know if your members are in malls, not in malls, or independent, you know, strips. I'm not Usually, sure. Usually, most sure about mostly all that. are in some are in uh, some stores across the country in malls, but mostly independent uh, strip malls outside. Yeah, yeah. which for yeah, which which if those strips have had to have a major anchor there, have tended to perform very well. So I think in the in the end is can you continue to present a a case for your relevancy and your the relevancy in your community, which is to say you become a place where uh, people want to come and gather um, and, and become a place people are. Listen, people will never stop going to physical retail. You know why? Because we're human beings. We like the connections. We like the spontaneity. We like the community that we feel when we're together, and those are simply not possible online. The question is, can you compete a compelling enough environment uh, to make it a place people want to come, can you do enough e-commerce to be online enough to provide that mm -hmm. convenience for customers, whether you do it yourself or partner with somebody, because customers do want that option today. That's just the truth. You know, the, can, and third is, can you really create a strong culture? You know what it feels like when you go in a store and people feel that pride yep. and ownership and they remember your name. And those things matter in today's world of, you know, fast moving in personal sorts of things that you could do it all yourself online with a touch of a button, those things still do matter. Humans still gravitate to that. So can you create an environment, a culture where the, the experience is fun, where the quality shines through, where your people stand up and really make uh, people feel good about coming to shop with you? Do those sorts of things, and you're going to succeed, in my opinion. Well, a couple quick things before we get you out of here. A couple quick ones. Uh, innovations, and, and you talked about technology. I think you guys at Whole Foods have done you know, as well as anybody in that, in that realm, I went in my whole foods and I love the whole foods pizza. So I went in, got myself a pizza for my wife and my kid last night. And I used my Apple pay to pay on the way out. And I feel like you guys were kind of leaders in that, uh, you know, bringing that, that payless or that, that, uh, credit cardless, uh, uh, technology to, to, uh, to retail. Talk a little bit about that. Well, we were the leaders. We were actually the ones that uh, we cut a deal with Apple. And by the way, they're very secretive, so we were not allowed <laughs> to release that news until it happened. But what's interesting on mobile pay is it really hasn't penetrated more than 3 or 4%. Uh -huh. It's an extraordinarily convenient way. You just press your thumb, boom, you're out. So we did because we thought, you know, what you're trying to do for customers today is you're trying to look – this is the MBA buzzword, but the friction, the friction, the friction points where mm -hmm. people have to spend more time there. You know, this is a place that's we're moving towards a frictionless sort of thing. You think Amazon, you don't even, it just all automatically charges your phone, right? You don't right. even have to go through a register. So I think that mobile pay is it's one piece of building out a more convenient experience for your customer. I don't think it's the most compelling piece, but it is a piece that some people use that aren't presenting where sort of 5 or 6% penetration now for how many people actually use it. So it's it's not as much as I would have thought. Um, and that's, I suppose, because it's really not with the machines now. It's not that hard to just do your card. It's, it's not that hard. It's not that much different. But I think it's a convenience that people are going to want that and all the other types of things. Uh, 
or, or make it easier. You see Starbucks pushing mobile pay right now and order ahead and that sort of thing. So I think the question is you take a look, and one of the challenges for your association might be, how do you guys think collectively about where to, to put some bets down on some technologies or some things that you could tie into as a group using your group size to give your customers those sorts of conveniences? Yep. And I think you think holistically and mobile mobile payment will certainly be a part of that. But Apple Pay is it's very cool and it's very easy to use. You're right. And uh, it makes the transaction you know very simple. I love it. All right, Doc's got one before we get you out of here, Walter. Uh, Walter, you played soccer at Stanford. Do you still play soccer? Do you run? What do you do? <laughs> well, I try to work out three or four times a week um, in a, a town like here in Austin. We have, as you guys, when you guys get to town, we have a beautiful. Uh, the Colorado River runs right through town. There's a sort of a ten mile hike you can, or walk you can do around the lake, which which is just beautiful and wonderful. So I, I try to get the exercise in whether I'm on the road or here. Um, I, I, uh, the soccer, yeah, I still play, still go to the alumni games. Uh, and of course the World Cup, the World Cup's coming up next year in Russia, which should be interesting, but the United States failed to qualify. Don't tell me about uh, that. (laughs) Still depressed. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think when you guys get to Austin, you'll see what a beautiful city it is and you'll enjoy the chance to ride your bike. You can ride your bike around. In fact, you know, you will, on any given day, you'll see Lance Armstrong out there for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right, Walter. Well, we very much appreciate the time. We can't wait to see you Tuesday, November 28th. Uh, Walter Robb is going to be one of the main stage speakers at the running event at the Austin Convention Center talking about how to create a winning culture. So a lot more that we'll dive into. We touched on it today, but a lot more we'll dive into November 28th. Thank you so much. Really look forward to seeing you in Austin. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Take care. You too, buddy. There he goes. That's Walter Robb. He is the former co-CEO of Whole Foods, he joined us here on Pace Nation. We're going to take a quick break and be right back after this.